chapter 113. Beginning in verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. He raises up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that He may set him with princes, even with the princes of His people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house, and to be joy, to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we humbly come into thy presence this morning. I hope and pray that what we've already done in praise and hymns and psalm and in prayers, I hope and pray that it has been pleasing in your sight. Yet we know that none of that, Lord God, is worth anything if we did it without Christ. For we can truly do nothing without Him. Lord, I pray this morning that You would open up our hearts to the wonderful and marvelous truths of this 113th Psalm. Lord, I pray that You would teach us anew, Lord, the value, the wonder, the glory, the blessings of praising the Lord. Help us, dear God, we pray, to find comfort, encouragement, Help us to know, Lord, that that which we're about to do today and which we've already begun is a great work to enter into the presence of God by Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit to sing praises unto the Almighty God. Lord, I hope and pray that our hearts would be stirred. And I pray most of all that you'd be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. For it's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Amen. We sang in some of our hymns previously, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Tune My Heart to Sing Thy Grace, Streams of Mercy Never Ceasing, Call for Songs of Loudest Praise. Come Thou Almighty King, Help Us Thy Name to Sing. Help us to praise. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, let all that is in me adore him. All that have life and breath come now with praises before him. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O oh, ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Beloved, it was my first intention to draw your hearts directly to verses 5 through 9, yet I was soon greatly convicted of my sinful selfishness, for in my haste 
to draw out the comforts of these divine truths found in verses 5 to 9, I overlooked the verses which lead up to these amazing truths. Verses which are of the utmost importance if we are to truly be comforted by the latter part of this 113th chapter of Psalms. So often we are selfish in searching out the Word of God to find those nuggets which we so desperately need at the moment to comfort our hearts. And so often in search of those nuggets we pass by or overlook those things that increase the value of those truths that we so long to know more of. And it is of the Lord's mercies and His divine providence which has led us to this 113th Psalm this morning on the Lord's Day. For as the Lord led me to this passage of Scripture some two weeks ago, and who has since given me no rest concerning its divine truths, little did I know at the time that it has been said, which I learned later, that Psalms 113 through 118 were sung during the time of the Passover festivities. And when Christ had finished the breaking of bread with His disciples in that upper chamber, Scripture declares that when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. More than likely, in this greatly increased the joy in my heart, more than likely it was one of these five psalms which they sang. How fitting then for us as we prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper that we look for a moment this morning at the first of these five psalms. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let it be known this morning that this glorious psalm opens with one of the most urgent and warmest exhortations to praise the Lord and His name. Listen to the words of the psalmist and let them sink deeply into your hearts and minds. Imagine yourself inspired by the Spirit of God as He pinned down these words, Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. It's as though He couldn't get enough of exhorting us to praise God. Before he even begins this chapter, his heart is filled with an admiration, a desire to praise God and encourage others to do the same. It is though the psalmist cannot express enough his desire for himself and others to praise the Lord. Three times in this first verse, once in verse 3, and again the last verse, he exhorts us to praise ye the Lord. It is though the psalmist would have us to understand the praise is a divine work of grace 
wrought within the heart of every true believer, which is just as infinite and just as measureless as God is in Himself. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O you servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. As I pondered these verses over this last week, again, as always, but again, I was humbly or humbled by the fact that I know so little of what true praise is. And often, as Christians, we grow complacent when it comes to praise. We gather every Sunday, not that it gets monotonous, but we gather every Sunday, we sing the hymns and the psalms, oftentimes our hearts and our minds wandering into the things of the world and our troubles and our fears and our anxieties, little knowing that we're denying God the honor and glory of praising His name. Whoso offereth praise, the psalmist said in Psalm 50, whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. When we sing praises unto God, like the old hymnist wrote, we have need of divine assistance. Help us to sing thy praise. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Every true child of God knows how, slug, how slow and sluggish his own heart is when it comes to praising God. That's why the psalmist uses the word, whoso offereth. It's an offering. I'm getting ahead of myself, but whether we are in times of joy and rejoicing or in times of sorrow and affliction, praise ought to be ever flowing from the hearts and lips of God's children. From the rising of the sun, verse 3, unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. From the time we rise in the morning to the time that we lay our heads down, we should be praising God. I fear many of our problems and troubles that we experience throughout the day is because we haven't praised God. We haven't stopped long enough to consider and praise His holy name. What a joy that would bring to our daily lives if when we rose from our beds, we'd not only pray and read Scripture, but begin the day with praise. Praising God for His wonderful works. Praising Him for His salvation. For His goodness, His mercy, and His grace. That from our hearts and from our lips would flow such praises to God. Well, how that might change our day. And then when the day is over, would it not be just as becoming before we lay down our heads on our pillows to lift up our hearts and our lips to praise God for His goodness and mercy. Praise, true scriptural praise, is a humble confession of the wonderful excellencies of God. Let me say that again. Praise, scriptural praise, not man's opinion of praise, is a humble confession of the wonderful excellencies of God. If that be so, then the measure and quality of our praise of God 
will be greatly determined by our understanding and knowledge of God and His wondrous excellency. Again, the church, the pulpits have failed in this great virtue, this great task which they are given. I believe the pulpit should be encouraging from God's Word, God's people to praise God, teaching them from the Word of God what it is to praise God for His wonderful excellencies. Our Lord speaking to the woman by the well, the Samaritan said, Ye worship, ye know not what. He agreed that they worshiped, but he said, you're worshiping you know not what. And how that so defines many Christians today and many churches at this very moment as they sing praises and hymns and, and psalms. They're worshiping they know not what. They have no idea who God is. They have no idea what His excellencies are. And yet they're saying the words simply mechanically, not understanding what they're singing. May we not, as God's children, fall into that same sin. We should be very concerned about how we praise God. When we open the hymns and the psalms and we begin singing about God, we should be concerned that our whole hearts and minds and attentions are set on the words of what we're singing, not merely the melody, but on the very words in which we're expressing. Praise to the Lord. The Lord God Almighty. Paul, when passing by the men of Athens, beheld that they ignorantly worshipped an unknown God. They were worshipping, yet Paul said, you're worshipping an unknown God. And I believe this is the sin of this generation in which we live in today in so many churches. Again, at this very moment, many professing believers are worshiping an unknown God. They know not who He is. They know not His excellencies. They know not Christ. And yet they sing the praise. What many today claim to be praise is merely a carnal desire to satisfy and comfort the flesh. Have you noticed over the years how they've changed praise into something that's more worldly and carnal? They have to have all their big bands and all the music, and it's more entertainment than anything. And the, and the concentration is on the entertainer, not on what's being sung. They've made it an entertainment. It's not about the wonderful excellencies of God. It's merely a carnal desire to satisfy the f and comfort the flesh, centered and focused on sinful man and his desires and wishes to be comforted and consoled, which I'm not saying who doesn't want to be comforted and consoled, but that's not scriptural praise. Listen to me. I long, as well as you do, to be comforted and consoled when my heart is breaking, when I'm in need of Christ. But that which comforts and consoles me is when I exalt the excellencies of God and not my own fleshly desires merely to be comforted. I want to lift God up. Because when I lift God up, then my soul is comforted. I'm taken out of the depths of my despair and raised to the heights of princes, he says in Psalms. It's not moaning over my own pities and complaints and sorrows. Many what 
claim to be praises today are little or nothing of the humble confession of the excellencies of God. It's more, Lord, it's about me and my needs and my desires and my wants. Almost as though God was created to simply comfort me and meet my desires, console me. That's not true praise, dearly beloved. That's not true praise, not scriptural praise. Again, I remind you, scriptural praise is a humble confession of the wonderful excellencies of God. Psalm 33 says this, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. For praise is comely. That's beautiful, suitable. Praise is comely for the upright. Praise is comely. Beloved, nothing is more becoming, more suitable for the true believer than praise. Nothing expresses our love and our adoration more for God and His wonderful excellencies than true heartfelt praise. And nothing, dearly beloved, honors and glorifies God more than the sounds of praise through the darkness of our night seasons. Oh, how we love to sing God's praises when we're on the mount and everything is fine and God is blessing and we're rejoicing in God's mercies and grace. But oh, let me tell you, you know where true praise is found, you know where true, the fine gold of praise is truly found is when we can lift up out of the darkness of our sorrows and afflictions and sing a sweet melody unto God that brings God the greatest honor and glory when God looks down and sees his child can sing as a nightingale at night in the midst of his trial still praising God when Job lost everything he fell down and worshipped God the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away that's true praise you know where I've learned to really sing and understand what praise is as little as I do know is in the darkest hours of my life when things around me seemed all bleak and dark and afflictions were sore and trials, when I could bow on my knees and pray to God and suddenly God gives me a, a song in my heart and it's not, I'll fly away, oh glory. It was more like, a mighty fortress is our God. Oh, bulwark never failing. To sing hymns, and praises to God in the darkness of our night seasons, dearly beloved, is what seasons us to truly sing praises to Him when all is well. Psalm 84 said this in regards to praising, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. Psalm 84 they will be still praising thee. Oh, there's a connection there. They will be still praising thee. That means they will be praising thee regardless of how difficult and regardless of how many afflictions, regardless of the trials, they will be still praising thee. Who? Those that dwell in thy house. Tell me, uh, public worship is not necessary for the child of God. Tell me that our gathering together, our assembling together is not beneficial 
to us praising God still in our darkest hours. Here is where we learn. Here is where we as a body of believers lift up our praises. Here is where we're strengthened to go out and meet our trials and afflictions. And regardless of what valley God's providence might lead us through, because we've learned to sing praise together as corporate believers, our sounds of praise are heard in the darkest valleys. And I'm telling you, it's a sweet Savior of the God. Oh, the church today is lacking in so many things, and this is an area that they're also lacking in. They've changed what biblical praise is into something that's mere entertainment. They have conferences now where it's all about singing and songs and music and instruments, and I'm not against that. I love singing just as much as you do. I love singing the hymns and the psalms, but it's turned more into entertainment now than it is to praise. And it's all to satisfy the flesh. Not to exalt the excellencies of God. Yet it's not so with the vain praise of the unconverted. As the praise of God's children greatly honors Him and glorifies God, nothing dishonors God more than praise offered from the lips of the unconverted. It is, like an old preacher once said, it is as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout. It brings not honor nor glory to God and no satisfaction or comfort to the unconverted. And if by some strange way the melody of praise arouses their emotions, it's only to the satisfying of the flesh, yet never to the satisfying of the soul. That's why we must be very careful about melodies and instruments. We can emotionally lead somebody very quickly. And all how I've seen that done in years past when I was first saved, when people stand up, preachers stand up in the pulpit and they're playing a light, quiet melody in the background and he's pleading with folks to change their lives and they get emotionally stirred and so they make an emotional decision and it's nothing based upon God and their need of Christ. It's basically focused upon their need of consolement and comfort. And so they're led to believe something that's not true. They come to Christ not because they they see their need of Christ and their, their wretchedness before Christ and their sinfulness and God's mercy. They come to Christ in hopes that he might comfort their lives and make it a little bit easier and better. Oh, God, help us from such carnal praise, carnal worship that produces nothing. True praise is a humble confession of the wonderful excellencies of God. You know what praise is for the child of God? Praise is the divine evidence. It's the fruit of the Spirit within the heart of every true believer which rises from the depths of our deepest affections for God's wondrous excellencies which abound toward us in Christ Jesus. That's what praise is. It's not something we work up ourselves. It's something that, of the work of the Holy Spirit of God with inside of our hearts and our affections. And we glorify God 
for his wondrous excellencies which abound toward us in Christ Jesus. The latter part of this verse proves that. Look in verse 5 or look in verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? You know why this fifth verse, it's amazing, there's nine verses. People say that's just coincidence. There's nine verses. Four and four, the middle verse is five. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? Seven times, seven times before verse five, the psalmist mentions the Lord. Jehovah. Verse 5, though, after he exalts Jehovah, verse 5, look what he does. Who is like unto the Lord Jehovah? Look what he adds. Our God. You see how he makes it personal? The same Lord he's been exalting in the first four verses, now he turns and says, now this same God that's high above the heavens, (laughs) that's above all nations, and he humbles himself to look upon the nations in heaven and earth. This same Jehovah God is our God. Our God. Watch verse 6. Who humbleth himself. That is amazing. This same high and lofty God Humbles himself. He's not humbled by anybody. He himself humbles himself. Does that sound familiar? Philippians? Who thought it not Robert, he'd be equal with God, but took on a form of servant and humbled himself? Sound familiar? God would humble himself. Look at what he says. To behold the things that are in heaven. How high must he be if he's got to humble himself to behold things in heaven? and in the earth. You see why the psalmist starts out with verse 1, praise you the Lord, praise, oh you servants of the Lord, praise the name. He's, he's singing praises from an understanding and a knowledge of the excellencies of God, but he, he, he's got to get out the praise first, and once the praise is out, then he comes out with the reasons, the grounds of his praising. This is why we should be praising God from sun up to sundown. This is why we should be praising God from this time forth and evermore, because he's humbled himself to behold the things in heaven and earth. Why? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill. You know who that is, don't you? That he may set him, I love this, that he may set him with princes. Even with the princes of his people. Now, we might not look like much this morning. People might look at us and say, you're just average people. There's nothing particular about you. Oh, but in the eyes of God, you know what we are as his elect? We're princes. And we're setting amongst princes. His princes. That God, who dwells in eternity, high above all things, beloved, that he would humble himself. I don't care how long you've been saved. We could be saved. We could live in eternity and we will in heaven. I don't think we'll ever truly comprehend just exactly the condensation of our Lord, how he humbled himself and became a servant and became flesh. God, the creator of the heavens and earth, humbled himself that he might behold. 
And what he saw was people in dust. He saw, it says here, the poor in dust and the needy in a dunghill. And by his grace, he reached down and lifted them up out of the dust and out of the dunghill of sin. And he set us with princes. Do you know the state that we've been exalted to in Christ? Do you have any idea? Can you at least try to comprehend a little bit the state and standing Christ has exalted us to in His salvation? It is most glorious and most wonderful. You say, but preacher, I don't feel like that. It doesn't matter whether you feel like that or not. It's a biblical fact. He has set us in heavenly places in Christ. How much princely, more princely could that be than to be sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Do you understand now why the psalmist begins his praise like this? You see, when we get our understanding right, when we get our mindset right, when we start contemplating all the wonderful excellencies of God, the first reaction to any and all of that is going to be immediate praise to God. He doesn't start with, oh, God lifted me out of the dust and out of the dunghill. No, he starts with God who's high and lofty, who has humbled himself, the God that dwells amongst the nations and looks down to heaven. He begins by praising God, and then he comes down to the reason why he is so praising God. It's because he has taken me out of the dust and lifted me up out of the dunghill, and he has set me with princes, even with the princes of his people. You see now why the psalmist exhorts us to praise God. The same Lord Jehovah, who is high above all nations, and whose glory is above the heavens, and dwelleth on high, would humble himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth. This same Jehovah God, the psalmist says, is our God. There's a wonderful transformation here in this verse 5. Seven times Jehovah, our God, Elohim. Elohim means covenant God. So seven times he speaks to Jehovah. He says this Jehovah God has now become our covenant God. And he humbled himself. Look over in Philippians chapter 2. I mentioned it before, but I want you to read it with me. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. We're talking about God. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth. Sounds familiar to Psalm 113, huh? He behold the things in heaven and earth and things under the earth and that every tongue 
should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you see the connection? Beloved, Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice cannot be heard. Psalm 19. But it is the praise of His chosen and redeemed, whom He has raised from the dust and lifted out of the dunghill, which glorifies God and showeth His divine handiwork more, listen to me, more than the heavens and the firmament. Psalm 19 is wonderful and it's glorious. Yet nothing glorifies God more than the sound of praise from His chosen and redeemed. Greater than the heavens and the firmament. Praise ye the Lord. Verse 1. Oh, praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Beloved, true praise is not limited to any certain time or space. Nor is it to be bound by circumstances, be they ever joyful or sorrowful. Praise is to be from the rising of the sun and the going down of the same from this time forth and forevermore. Praise should always be upon our lips and our minds and our hearts constantly. And I believe this is lacking tremendously amongst many Christians today. And I believe that is one reason, one of many, but one reason why we lack so much confidence and joy and hope in Christ. We do not praise Him as we ought. We do not praise Him as often as we ought. We don't give enough time and effort to praising God. Even when we do meet together on Sundays to sing praises, we come so rushedly into the house of God, many times unprepared, many times without prayer, many times without meditation upon God's Word and His excellencies. And we come in and we believe and think that our sluggish hearts could ever be lifted up to the heights of praise in, in a second of a time. Oh, dearly beloved, you must learn the, 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 your own heart. The proneness of our own hearts to be cold and sluggish. That's why the psalmist said, Tune our hearts to sing thy praise. The book of Psalms has 150 chapters. Actually, there's over 280, I think, some references to praise itself in Scripture. Uh, 248. 132, I believe, alone in Psalms. Want to learn how to praise? Read Psalms. 150 chapters in Psalms. You know how it ends? The very last verse in Psalm 156. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Psalm 113, praise ye the Lord, praise, O ye servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Why? Because of his wonderful excellencies that he's done amongst men.
and the greatest excellency is that he has wrought perfect salvation for sinful man. He's raised us from the dust. He's raised us from the dunghill, and he set us amongst princes. And this morning, we have the we have the privilege, the honor of being able to partake of the Lord's Supper with one another, praising God for his goodness and grace towards us through Christ Jesus. What a glorious blessing that is. Isn't it amazing that when you read Revelations and other passages of Scripture that in the presence of God, the angels are praising God unceasingly? May we begin in this lifetime to praise God. Every day of our lives, not just Sundays, every day of our lives when we rise up in the morning, May God help us to set our hearts to praise. Whether it's meditation on a certain verse, whether it's singing a psalm, whether it's singing a hymn, let us begin the day with praises to our God. Throughout the day, let us stop for a moment. I love I love the part or the, the fact, the reality that I live 20 minutes away from my job. And it's in the country. The only thing between here and Bangs is the little town of Santa Ana, and you'll miss that if you blink. So it's no big deal. But I love that I have that 20 minutes after I've spent time reading and praying here at home. I have that 20 minutes time to contemplate and meditate and sing praises to God, especially in the springtime and summer when the sun begins to rise. Or the other day when I came home from work, and look up into the sky, and you see rain clouds in the back and all the white ones up in the front, and the clouds are displayed so gloriously. And I think about Psalm 19, that they declare the glory of God. And I looked at it this last week after contemplating this passage of Scripture, and I said, you might declare the glory of God, but by God's grace in Christ Jesus, I have the honor of glorifying God greater than you, as beautiful as you are, because of what Christ has done for me, and I will sing praise unto God. It's amazing what God is. Do you imagine? Do you know? Do you understand the heights which Christ has exalted us as his children? That we would be made able to praise God who once was at enmity with him. Yet now we're made able to praise God and worship him. Can you now understand the psalmist? Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. You understand now why he, he so vehemently exhorts us to praise God? We have great reason to praise God. And this morning, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we sit as princes, amongst princes, God's princes, and we partake of the Lord's Supper because he humbled himself to behold. And he took us out of the dust and out of the dunghill and set us amongst princes. What a glorious salvation we have in Christ. Next week, we'll continue our message uh, in Matthew chapter 15, where the woman was satisfied with merely the crumbs that fell from the master's table. Do you ever consider that verse? Let me give you something to think about till next week. A few examples of that. This woman said the crumbs are enough. Jairus' daughter was ill. The Lord said, I'll come. He said, no, I'm not worthy. Just speak the word. The woman, with all them years of 
blood impalement said if I could just touch if I could just touch the hem of his garment. No need for great wonders and lightnings, merely the crumbs, merely a word, merely the touching of the hem of a garment. Oh, why do you remain in your sins without Christ when it only takes a merely touching of his garment, the taking of crumbs from his table, the mere word of Christ? Oh, sinner friend, I pray that you would this morning understand your need of Christ so that you too might be lifted up out of the dunghill and set amongst princes. God has humbled himself to behold you where you are. And you're not in a good place. You're in the dust and you're in the dunghill. Nothing you can do on your own. But Christ can raise you up and set you amongst princes. If you would just believe a touching of the garment, a word, the crumbs of his table. God be gracious to you. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray now that, Lord, you would help us this morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Help us, Lord God, that our hearts would be lifted up in praise. Lord, you humbled yourself and took upon you flesh. You suffered the pain and agony of sin, the Father's wrath the wages and condemnation of our sins. And Lord, through your bruising, we are healed. No one constrained you. No one forced you. You humbled yourself to behold. God, we are forever thankful. Help us, Lord God, to praise you. Always, from sun up to sundown, from then this time forth, and forevermore for your wonderful excellencies that you've wrought upon us in Christ. We ask these things.